weeks ago, we started on this thing, First Things. It's a, it's a message we've been in since the first, uh, the first Sunday in January on the 7th. Can y'all believe, folks, that we are on the last Sunday of January already? Is anybody besides me going, okay, slow down, <laughs> slow down. We are so, we're moving at light speed. Like it's, it's January 28th. When did that happen? And so we've been on this thing of first things and where we landed is um, in my prayer time, I really felt like I wanted to go over the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus's first public message to um, first to his disciples and there was a group around him that got to, to pick up on the conversation as well, but it was to his disciples. It's found in Matthew and it's referenced in Luke. And so when we think about this, this journey we're on, I'm so, first of all, I'm so thankful I get to do it with you because I know I am not good by myself. Anybody can agree with that? Not that I'm not good by myself, but that you're not good yourself. It's like, yeah, he's not good by himself. No, I just know I'm always better together and I'm thankful that I get to be on this journey with each one of you because um, the, the relationship, the encouragement, that we walk through this together, just like our body has many members, but it's one body. We're many members, but we make up one body of Christ and we're to stay together. We don't separate. And so I'm, I challenge you to continue to do that just like I do. And so in this sermon, uh, the longest sermon that Jesus ever preached, and somebody's going, like, if you haven't been here or you, you're just catching up, it was only 10 to 12 minutes long. Can somebody say Amen. <laughs> Easy, not too loud on the amen. Because, <laughs> amen. <laughs> um, mine have been a little longer because I'm trying to expound because there's so much wisdom found in it. So Jesus, in this 10-minute sermon, covered so much. He literally covered everything that he would be walking through and that we would be walking through. He covered it in this sermon. And so we've been going through this. I call it the ABCs of the Sermon on the Mount. The first Sunday, January 7th, it was A for attitude. So he dealt with the Beatitudes, which everybody knows your attitude will determine your altitude. Like whatever, whatever your attitude is, it will determine how far and how high you go in life. It literally, because we know how that affects us. It's our thing. The second one that we did was B for B, B-E, and that is for B, salt, and light. God's called us to be difference makers and we're supposed to be salt and light in a world that needs some flavor and it needs some revelation of who God is and what he does. The second one was C, I mean the third one, sorry, second, yeah, sorry, third one on the 21st, it was, C was for Jesus making new the old covenant. And we looked at the old, we went and did a deep dive on the old covenant and what that represented and how it played out in our life and how Jesus didn't come to abolish it because some people think we don't need to read the Old Testament. There's a lot of death and a lot of destruction and the God of the Old Testament is not the same of the New Testament. I even made this thing I heard a pastor say and I, it just tickled me so much that uh, in, the Old Test, in the New Testament, we see God like we were singing about our father, uh, that God is our father. And in the Old Testament, it seems like he's the Godfather, and so, so with all the stuff that goes on, but um, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so today we're going for D is dedicating, we're dedicated to relationships. 
And so we have the end of chapter five coming up. And I just want to let you know, as we do this, if you got your Bibles, we're going to dive into there because this is, um, this is, like I said, it, it covers all we walk through today, all that we're walking through, anything we will walk to at any time in history, it covers it. This is not a, oh, look, this is for them. This is for us today, very much alive and prevalent that what we need to do. And so beginning in verse 33, I'm going to read there. Um, and I'm reading out the new King James, if that helps anybody, um, you may be reading a different version, but if you can follow along in your Bible, or you can, uh, look at the screens, we have that prepared for you. It says, again, you have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. Um, this was a different time <laughs> than we live today. <laughs> I don't think Paul, when he said in the New Testament, I die daily, I don't think it had to do with his hair. Um, but <laughs> that's a little different, little joke for y'all, have fun. But he goes on to say, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, for whatever is more than this is from the evil one or comes from evil. Uh, chapter 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, Go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. And, and I'm like, Jesus, did you have some cousins and brothers and sisters that kept? I mean, I'm just wondering. But yes, he did. And we'll unpack this in just a moment, each one. And then the final section is, he goes and says, you have heard that it was said. Again, three, you have heard that it was said. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Man, that's a lot. That you may be sons and daughters of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And you know, I, I think this is, for me, this is where I find humor a lot in the Bible is this. So Matthew, the former tax collector... Matthew, the disciple, was a tax collector. I don't know if y'all knew that, but he was actually a tax collector and he's writing about tax collectors and, he, and Jesus puts him on the lowest common, like, yeah, you'd be a tax collector. Like, oh, look, how bad are they? Now, I know if you work for the IRS, that was bad day. 
Today, you know, it's not the same because they were, they were literally extorting. Tax collectors could not only collect taxes for Rome, but they could all take some for themselves. And so when he puts that down there, he breaks that out. And so, like I said, this is a timely message that we need today because guess what? Society hasn't really changed that much. Our culture, you look at our culture, uh, in that culture, when Jesus is saying this, they are under Roman rule. Like the Romans determined what they did. They determined where they could go. Um, it was a very oppressive culture in that Rome had that over them. And so when we look at this, there's three things that we're going to unpack. And that is we're going to be dedicated to keeping our word, dedicated to going above and beyond, and dedicated to loving our enemies. Those are the three things we're going to unpack real quickly this morning just to help us because as I... I love as I keep studying and learning, I keep learning more about the Bible and how it represents what, what Jesus said back then. And you're going to see some of these too. You go, what? Huh? And it gives us insight of what they actually meant. And so as we unpack this, um, I just want us to think and remember that Jesus came to give us a new way to be human. Because we, we get so locked into what we think and my feelings and, and what I think is right and what I think is wrong. And we become, in essence, our own judge. And we say, this is right and this is wrong. This is truth. This is not truth. And I'm so thankful we have his word of what he said. And this is what he wants to do. He wants me. He wants you. He wants us to learn what he's talking about to be a part of the kingdom, to be a disciple of his, to be a follower of his. And it's going to come and it's going to come in stark contrast to my feelings a lot of time. And so it's not a matter of me operating simply out of my feelings, but operating out what Jesus said. So Jesus taught us things like keeping your promise. And he told us to, that, that all these things, no matter if we're, how bad we're being mistreated, we're not supposed to go after people the way we think we have to continually operate the way he wants us to. And so, um, now granted, he's not calling us to be pacifists either. And we'll, we'll unpack that. He's not saying, oh, look, just let everybody steamroll over you. That's not it at all. Uh, he's calling us to be connected to him and then we can act accordingly and actually demonstrate what it's like to be his follower. And so I want us to go back. We're gonna first look at this dedicated to keeping our word. In our relationships, the number one thing you have is your word towards somebody else. And I just want to go ahead and venture to say, everybody in this room and those watching online, everybody has broken their word at some point or time in your life. Not saying you wanted to or meant to, but every one of us, that's what it says. That's why Jesus, the very first part that he said, going back to verse 33, it says, again, you have heard that it was said, that uh, said, to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. Like, don't make the vow, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make it even, even one hair, white or black. All you need to say simply is yes or no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. And so when we hear that 
and we think about that, I know if you're like me, there are many times I want to do well. And, and Paul even said in, in Romans chapter 7, we're not turning there this morning, he found this principle or this thing operating him that the good he wanted to do, he had a struggle to do. The things he didn't want to do, he had a struggle. He's like, man, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I do want to do that's good, I don't do. And he said, I have this battle going on inside of him. This was Paul. We do the same thing today. And so the reason God wants us to hold and keep our promises, because that's what God does. God keeps his promises. He's made them. He's going to be with us. He's going he's to help us. And so when he calls us um, to, to be the people, to be people of our word, what he's saying is, I want you to demonstrate my character to those around us. Now, I know if you're like me, there's three things that I believe can get in our way. Number one is people sometimes speak rashly, rashly. In other words, they're quick to say something. And so I want us to slow down a minute before we make a commitment. Maybe you're one of those people and you like, you're one, yes, I can do it. Yes, I'll do it. You're like me, a yes person. Like I want to see people's life change. Man, yes. Instead of taking a, a moment in time to say, well, let me look at my schedule and just see, am I even able to do that? Because a lot of times what happens is, and I've done it not meaning to, and it breaks my heart when I'm like, yes, and then something comes up. Um, as some people say that I'm, I'm very serendipitous in that I love to, I don't just go half-hearted. Like when I get asked to do, I'm getting in, I'm all in. I'm not, you don't have to explain something to me. You don't have to, you know, people want to give you qualifiers like I've done this, this happened, this happened. I'm like, hey, I'm committed. You're human. I'm committed to help. What can I do? And, and in that, I may get too involved in, and it, it causes me, and sometimes this may happen to you, you get involved and realize, uh-oh, I missed another commitment that I may have made. And I want us to think about that. So if we speak rashly and we make this commitment, I think of Peter um, who, um, when, when, it, in, uh, when he, was, he did that and he was like, oh my goodness, remember at the, at the, last, at the last Supper, and, or maybe you're not aware of that, but that's the second largest where Jesus just talks to his disciples. And Jesus is saying, one of y'all are going to betray me. Like, I don't know if y'all know it or not, but one of you are going to betray me and, and I'm going to be left alone. And, and, and Peter, in his zealousness, which he did a lot, he said, I'll never deny you. I'll die before I deny you. <laughs> and Jesus said, Peter, Peter, <laughs> you, I love your zealousness, but Peter, guess what? You're going to deny me three times before the cockroach. You're going to deny me three times even knowing me. And he's like, what? so sometimes we, we have this zeal and this desire, but this is where we really need to take a moment and think about that. Ecclesi, Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2, it says this, Do not be rash with your mouth and let your heart utter anything hastily before God, for God is in heaven and you are on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. And so I would say this, instead of, and I'm speaking to my, I'm preaching to myself, y'all. Instead of us overcommitting, I think it's best to undercommit and overdeliver. That's what it says, the second thing, so we don't speak harshly. The other one is, is um, uh, we need to 
we need to uh, weigh our words carefully. We need to weigh what we say and take a moment to really lean into that. That's what Proverbs 13, 3, it says this, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. (laughs) It's like, uh uh-oh. I love, I pulled up some quotes about that. I love what Abraham Lincoln said. It says, better remain silent and be thought of a fool than to speak and to remove all doubt. Um, That's what Abraham Lincoln said. It's it's like, I, I thought of that, but yeah, thank you for confirmation. And so we have to weigh what we commit to and weigh our, our words, uh, Proverbs 17, 27, and 28 says it this way. He who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. And then it goes on in verse uh, 28. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. Or one translation says holds his tongue. But when he, sh- uh, when he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. Another one says it's, it, he's considered wise. And so when we think about overcommitting and underdelivering, I think in my own life as well, we've got to do less committing and really commit. Lord, I want with all my heart to accomplish what you've called me to do and help people in the process. And the third and final one in with our words and using our speech and keeping our promise is avoid unrealistic promises. And this is a big one because this is where people will try to convince somebody of something like, no, no, really, I will, I will. You know, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. I promise you I will do it. I, I promise I will do it. Matter of fact, there's this old saying that, um, that I haven't heard in a while. Uh, I cross my heart. <laughs> if I break the promise, I cross my heart and hope to die and stick a needle in my eye. <laughs> like trying to make a real statement like I'm gonna do this. And I just want to challenge you like I'm learning and continuing to do is probably a better way to say I'm going to try with all my heart to accomplish this. I'm going to try with all my heart. I may not be able to do it, but I'm going to try. And so instead of us making the claim and then having to back that off and that it would be better for us to say, no, I, I really like it's my desire and I want, us to, I want this, but I'm, Jesus, I'm going to need your help, but I'm going to do my best, and, and I'll see if I can make that. James says this, the brother of Jesus in chapter 4, he makes this way. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such, a city, uh, such and such a city and spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now your boast, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. And so what Jesus is saying about keeping our word is simply this, that let your yes be yes. Like if you can do it, yes. If you can't, no. One of the most powerful things that I'm still learning is to say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that, but I can do this. Because it's your desire to help. I know that in our hearts as believers. And so I encourage us as we, as we on this journey and we're, we're relating to others and dedicated to those relationships, 
Let's take a moment and think about what our promises are and make sure we keep those. The second one we're diving into is dedicated to going above and beyond. And this is where it gets really, really hard. It goes a little deeper with each one of these. It starts with our promise, but now it comes into our life of giving of ourselves. And that's why in in verse 38 through 42, Jesus says this, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you. And do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, in this passage, there's three, which I broke down to three S's. That is slapping, suing, and surrendering. Slapping, suing, and surrendering. And when you look at it, you would think, hold it. Jesus wants me to just keep getting slapped? And I just want to tell you, there's no part in Jesus where he's saying you need to partake in physical abuse. Um, what he's saying here is be careful that you don't allow vengeance to get in your heart and you want to retaliate when somebody comes against you. And as far as turning the other cheek, has anybody besides me ever thought Jesus really means I want you to be slapped? Like, here we go. I went through, I, I uh, got this, devo- this um, commentary by William Barclay. And as I was looking, I'm like, I, this is, they can't mean all that. There's just no way. And so in that day, uh, the way he describes it, like if, I'm, if, if I have somebody standing right here in front of me, is there anybody want to come up here real quick? And I can demonstrate this for you real quick. <laughs> y'all afraid? Really? Y'all, y'all scared? Dan, come up here just a minute with me real quick. Come on, right, real quick. This, this will give y'all a difference. And y'all like, uh-oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, is, this, is this what you call stick your neck out? <laughs> no. so, so check this out. He literally, so when, we're, when I'm facing somebody, and he says he even specifically slaps on the right cheek. Now, this is a fact many of you may or may not know. 90% of the world is right-handed. <laughs> Only about 10% of the world is left-handed. All my left-handed people, raise your hand. <laughs> Did you raise your right hand or your left hand? No, they all raise their left hand. <laughs> yes, I'm right. No, no, I'm <laughs> Anyhow, 10% of the world is left-handed. And so when Jesus made this statement, he's speaking in general to the right-handed. So if I wanted to slap somebody on the right cheek and Jesus knows they're right-handed. You'd have to. <laughs> what would that look like? So we think, hey, I'm going to, no, that's his left cheek. So what Jesus is referring to was not actually slapping. He really had more to do with a backhand. <laughs> but even in that, So with a backhand, you're not trying to knock somebody out. What you're doing is you're trying to insult them. That's what you're doing. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. You ain't getting smacked. Y'all don't get to see nobody get slapped. 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean to disappoint you. I know there's a new competition out called Slaps where they try to knock each other just by slapping them in the face. It's crazy. Anyhow, <laughs> what he was saying is, Jesus was saying, and in that culture, it was insult you. Like deeply. That's why I use the word slap. You would be deeply insulted by what's being said to you. And so when Jesus says you're deeply insulted, and believe me, if you haven't shared a lot and you haven't been out, some people don't get insulted because they retreat and they're in their house and they, I'm not putting myself out there. I promise you, if you get out there, you will be, and it will happen. Jesus promised us in this world we'd have struggles and, and we'd have that. But literally what he was saying to them is that um, they were not going to have to be slapped. You're going to be insulted and you've got to be careful that you don't retaliate, that you, re, you, you literally respond with the way Jesus did. And so he wasn't actually saying, hey, yeah, take a beating and keep getting hat. You know, hey, yeah, let's turn that over here. You, you didn't get that one hard enough. Here, hit this one again. <laughs> he literally was saying, hey, it's going to happen. You're going to get offended. You're going to get insulted, but do not return insult for insult. Back just a second to the eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, because that's a big one. Because you're like, uh-huh. What happened is the religious leaders hijacked. Hey, it was, it's found in Leviticus. It's found in Deuteronomy. It's found in, in Exodus, this thing of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Really, that had to do with the government. It was literally have to do with civil, like when you go to court. I don't know if any of you have had to do that where somebody sued you or somebody was, you know, somebody uh, came at you and so they're trying to, to get you, get at you. But literally, it, that says nothing um, that, that they were trying to, 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 to take two, two. They actually took it to the ex, next step that you're, you're, you, can, you can do more than what it's supposed, that says you're able to do. And so when we look at what this whole thing Jesus was saying, he wasn't saying, no, you get to get revenge. What he was saying is in the court of law, when you go to court, the judge extracts and says what that penalty or what that crime represents. It never says in there that we're supposed to take retaliation individually, that this is what that had to do with. And so when we think about this, that we allow that to happen it describes a much different scenario than I get to take revenge on people myself. Because let's be honest, I can't do it right. I won't do it right. I, I, I'll just say I've watched a lot of, and I, and I, in my own heart, I would go too hard at somebody. And I've walked through a lot with a lot of people and I've seen people wanting to extract revenge. We're threatening to take another person's life over something. Really, I'm like, you would, you would do that? And seriously, I do it. I'm like, okay, let's talk some more. <laughs> let's stay right here. And I'm happy to say in every situation where I've had that, nobody went out and left my office and said, no, I'm still going to. It's like, no. They were just sharing their struggle. And I said, no, no, let's talk about it. Let's dial this back. And so when we think about extracting that, we don't. I love what Jesus in 1 Peter 2.23, it, it describes him. And it says, when he was insulted... He did not insult in return, but he, when he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who justifies justly. Now, in the same way, when we think about um, evil, he's not saying take it. 
So when people in our world today, I mean, we just celebrated yesterday the memorial of the Holocaust in the 1930s and 40s, literally one of the most darkest um, moments in history of humanity where one man said, I'm going to literally, I am going to completely eradicate a people group off of our planet. And, and literally tried, killed sick one-third of the Jewish people in Europe. Jesus was not saying, oh, yeah, y'all, let's step up to the gas. Y'all, come on, come on in. He was never, ever think of doing that. What he was saying, literally, like, hey, no, you, you, you get to stand up for justice. Like in our culture today, what we just saw happen October 7th, where a group of, of terrorists go in and kill 1,200 people and take others hostage, Jesus wasn't up in heaven going, yeah, y'all just turn around. What he was saying is, no, you protect your heart from getting so involved to extract, extract revenge, your personal thing. But as far as in this area, no, you have to defend yourself from that. You would ne- he would never advocate for us to do that. And so... I wanted to make that point very clear that we do. This is a civil thing. This is not for me personally. This is at that. So our next one that we go to real quick, moving on, is this thing of uh, where this thing of being sued. Again, when it says if uh, if they ask you for your uh, shirt, give them your cloak. It's like no. He wasn't saying what he's saying is that. In that culture, they had a coat, but what they were saying is if they take your shirt, you're able to keep your coat. They couldn't take your coat. They could demand your shirt, but Jesus is saying, hey, if they get your shirt, here, take the coat too. It's yours. God bless you. And what he was saying in essence was, hey, you've got nothing on me. It actually would ruin and mess with them. Hold it. I want your shirt and you're giving me your coat too? At the, what is wrong? Why would you do that? It's what the term would kill somebody with kindness. It would mess them up to make them think, why, why would somebody do Ooh, I got something on my head. <laughs> Y'all laugh. Anyhow, what he was saying to them is, hey, don't, don't get so locked into things and allow things to lock you down. Don't get so comfortable in this world that you can't give of yourself, that it causes you like, this is mine and nobody gets, I can get that, nobody's getting it. He's saying, be careful. That's what he was saying. He wasn't saying like, hey, if somebody, you know, comes and sues you and and wants a a settlement against you, hey, here, go ahead and take my house too. Here's yours, take that one. He wasn't saying that at all. What he was saying is, don't allow people to take you captive. I like to put it this way. Um, just because somebody says something and does something to you, you don't operate the same way back. I don't let somebody control me. Anybody ever heard the expression, he made me mad or she made me mad? <laughs> Granted, you probably had a good reason. And probably, yes, by what they said or what they did, it would make you mad. But let me just say to you, nobody can make you mad. You can choose to get mad. You can choose to respond the way they respond to you. 
Like when Jesus uses all three of these, eye for eye, slap across the face, insult. When he uses these things of taking your stuff, take it and do this. And the next one, when he says, hey, if, if, if somebody asked you to go a mile, go two miles. In that culture, the Roman soldiers, they literally could take any Jew. Remember, I said earlier, at that moment in Jesus, in, in Israel's history, they were under Roman rule. And a soldier that had his spear and his pack and everything, they could tap you on the shoulder. It didn't matter where you were going or what you were doing. They could tap you on the shoulder and like, carry it. And you had to. Now, I don't know about you, but if you were busy going about your day and somebody says, stop, you're carrying it. What? what? I ain't got time for that. They had no choice. But Jesus said, don't go just the one mile. Like, that's what's required. He said, you want to mess them up? Go ahead. Hey, that felt so good. I want to go. The, can I go the next one with you? Come on, let's go. And this is where it comes to our time. Because let's be honest, we don't like our time interrupted. It's my time. And this is where Jesus is saying, hey, your time belongs to me. Your time on this earth, your time on this planet, it belongs to me as we've committed our life to him. And what he's saying, don't just go the one. Really go, hey, I'll go two with you. Because the first one is just obligation. The second one is out of love that we do this. And so that's where he gives us this power and the ability to make a difference in somebody's life. If I just do what's required, it doesn't transform. But when I go extra, going, dedicating to go above and beyond and do it with a good heart and saying, look, I'm chose to do this. No matter what, I'm going to do that. It's powerful. And finally, the last one and probably the most powerful one of all, when Jesus says, be dedicated to loving your enemies. Whoo y'all this is where reality hits because let's be honest every one of us have people that if you brought up right now situations and things that have happened in your life where you have just cause to be upset and angry I'm not saying this that just cause of something that happens and when we look at this one more time and as we look to, to wind this down when we said in verse 43 and 48 through 48 it says you have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise to those uh, on the evil and on the good and sends rays to the just and, uh, and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do uh, have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is imperfect. Now, what he's saying is, Jesus referred to a common saying uh, in Leviticus 19, 18, where he says, You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. There's no part in scripture where he says, hate your enemies. The religious leader of his day, that's why I always said, you've heard it said, but this is the truth about the matter. There was no part where it was intention to hate your enemies. He said, love your neighbors, yeah. But he didn't say hate your enemies. They took it a step further and wanted to do that. And so 
um, they misapplied the scripture. And so for us today, what does that mean? This is the word Jesus used about love your enemies. And it's the word agapeo, or what we call agape. And it's the unconditional love. Like, unconditionally, I love you no matter what. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what, I, ch- I still choose to love you. And I just want to say to everyone here in this room and those watching online, you can't do it in your own strength. You cannot, you, you can't love people the way God wants you to love without God. It won't happen. It won't happen. I don't care who you are because all of us have to come to the understanding that once and once we were the enemy of God. So before you came to Christ, before I came to Christ, I was an enemy of God. And you say, Mark, I, was, I, I wasn't mad at him. I was, I was just going about my life. Jesus said, you're either with me or you're against me. There's not a, I know in, in, in our world today, we want to have all these gray areas. There's not. I'm either with him or I'm against him. I'm either, I'm either, hey, Lord, it's yours, or, I'm, hey, it's mine. Leave me alone. And so when, he, when we look at that, it's important to understand that just as we were won over, like you may not know it, but you were won over from the heart. It wasn't Jesus beating you down. Romans says it's the goodness of God that draws us to him. It's his goodness that draws us to him. And so it wasn't his wrath. It wasn't his fear of hell. It wasn't like, hey, you're going to go to hell if you don't. It's like Jesus, like, he never used that. Jesus kept drawing him to himself. He did talk about hell very much. We're not getting that today, but it is real. In Luke 15, he really describes that. But, but that's not the thing. Luke 16, I'm just saying to us today, when we look at this thing of loving our enemies, I can't do that. Matter of fact, if we look at the word bless in the Greek, um, it's, it's uh, put that on there for us. That when we look at the Greek word for bless, it's eulageo, which means to speak well of someone. It's where we get our word eulogy from. So if you ever go to a funeral and people say good things about the person that had passed away, that's where we get the word from. And when Jesus says, I want you to, I want you to speak well of your enemies. Mm-mm. 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 Hey, when somebody makes you mad, who do you go talk to? Everybody. You tell everybody what happened. But let me ask you this. When somebody does something good for you, they were just supposed to do that. <laughs> when, when we look at this thing of really blessing those who curse us, when Jesus says, I want you to do what I do. So Jesus, in his demonstration on the cross, looking at the people that just crucified him, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And what he did, he took a perspective of theirs instead of their own. And so I want to challenge us this morning as I close that this thing of doing good and praying for your enemies and, and, and just literally it's not something I can do and you can do on our own effort and strength. It really takes the whole thing of, of us yielding to God and allowing him to change our life. That's what, that's what this whole thing at the end, the very end that, that Jesus, the very end of this part of his sermon, he says this, therefore you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. And he wasn't saying perfection in that sense. He was saying, hey, 
I want you to be whole. I want you to be complete. And I want you to be mature in how you respond to things and respond to people. That's what he was going. He's calling us to stop being so consumed with what I feel and think and being more um, dedicated and more uh, completely open to what he says and thinks. And then it gives me the uh, thing to respond appropriately. I'm going to ask the men to go ahead and come forward. I'm going to ask the worship team. This morning, we're going to partake of the communion meal. And I can't think of any better way to close out this portion of the Sermon on the Mount. Because this portion has a lot to do with the way we relate to people horizontally. So a lot of scripture deals with, and we've said this over the past few weeks, of my vertical relationship with God, how I go to him and how I connect with him and in my prayer and my worship. But this portion has to do, how does this play out in my relationship with the people around me? And so this morning, that's what Jesus demonstrated to us. And I'm going to I'm going to ask this. Those who are watching online, you can go get uh, some bread or grape or whatever juice you have. We're going to partake of this. And I'm going to ask the men to go ahead and play, uh, pass this out. And I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and, and, and take a moment to allow us to draw our hearts to, Lord, and this is the question as they're singing, I want us to take a moment and think, how am I allowing the Holy Spirit, how am I allowing him to help me to conform to the thoughts, the feelings, and the actions of Jesus. Like, what am I doing? To am I allowing to, the Holy Spirit to make me more Christ-like? Concerning being a person of my word, or concerning how I respond to people, concerning how I love those who are the unlovely. How is He doing that?